0: In what may be the biggest victory for the right in the culture war, Donald Trump ordered the Office of Management and Budget to cancel all critical race theory trainings and white privilege trainings, calling it a sickness in our country. For those that aren't familiar with these terms, they are a major component of the leftist identitarian ideology. They believe that all white people are inherently racist. Only white people can be racist. And they believe that certain concepts like Hard work, saving for the future, and even scheduling are components of whiteness. In my opinion, this is overtly white supremacist. But this ideology has become increasingly pervasive. And even though Donald Trump is making this move, I am not convinced we will see the end of it just because of this. In fact, it shouldn't have even gotten into government in the first place. Leftist identitarianism and critical race theory are also major components of the Black Lives Matter riots The reason people are going around screaming that this country is racist and that police are racist is not because they believe these individuals are prejudiced against other people based on race. It's because they believe concepts like policing concepts, like I said, scheduling are inherently white supremacist. They've changed the definitions of these words. And this ideology or non-theistic religion, as some refer to it, is spreading dangerously fast. While this may be a victory, this is still just a counter move and things may get worse before they get better. In fact, even though Donald Trump is canceling these things, they still have contracts that must be fulfilled. So Trump has said to the legal extent that we can shut it all down. Now, many on the left and many in media are saying, what, what? who's teaching people this? It's not real. It doesn't exist, but it does. And I have several examples for you. In one instance, scientists were ordered to like write letters to marginalized people saying they are racist. And they have these people do these creepy struggle sessions where they publicly announce they're racist, even if they aren't, because the definitions are changing. For me, this is one of the most important issues of 2020 and for our country. Based on my background, I am adamantly opposed to this left wing white supremacist ideology where they think every good thing that we've created came from white people, which is just not true. And it needs to be shut down. This is one move that I appreciate. I am glad Trump is making this move, but we must do more to better understand what's going on. Let's read the news. And I'm going to give you a, a, a simple breakdown of what critical race theory is. Because although many people understand the concept of leftist authoritarian identitarianism, they don't actually know what it is. And I know already the language is getting particularly confusing with lots of jargon. Identitarianism typically refers to government policy or law based on identity. And that's what the left is doing. Identity, of course, being your race, your gender, your immutable characteristics. Many of these people use purposefully verbose language to make it extremely difficult to understand. And that's something we can break down right now and I'll show you exactly what's going on and why it is imperative Trump continues to go on the offensive against these creepy cultists. Before we get started, however, head over to timcast.com/donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There is a PO box if you'd like to send stuff, but the best thing you can do share this video, especially this video. This is one of the most important issues of our lifetimes. If this ideology is allowed to persist, we are in serious trouble. This ideology flies in the face of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, and I will prove it to you. These people who hold these views do not want to judge people as equals. They want to judge you based on your skin color and your gender, and they say it It is not what we have fought for. It is not progress. So please consider sharing this video. I don't have a big marketing department. You know, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News can, can, can pay a lot of money. I just have word of mouth. So if you think I'm doing a good job and you think this is important, please share this video. Hit the like button, subscribe and the notification bell. Let's read the story. Now, of course, many news outlets don't understand how to frame this. Take a look at this. The Daily Mail says White House cancels racial sensitivity training for all federal employees because it is, quote, un-American propaganda. Trump blasts classes on critical race theory and white privilege as a sickness in our country. Notice how they say racial sensitivity training. No, the letter that was issued said they will absolutely uphold equality. Critical race theory is not racial sensitivity training. It is racist indoctrination where they tell you straight up to hate people, to criticize them, hold them in disdain for the color of their skin. So I don't want to read the story. I want to break it down by going straight into the memo. What Donald Trump said, or I'm sorry, the letter from the Office of Management and Budget. And what is critical race theory and why is it in our government and what's being done about it? In this memo, we can see it says memorandum for the heads of executive departments and agencies from Russell Vaught, director. It has come to the president's attention That executive branch agencies have spent millions of taxpayer dollars to date, quote, training government workers to believe divisive anti-American propaganda. For example, according to press reports, employees across the executive branch have been required to attend trainings where they are told that virtually all white people contribute to racism or where, where they are required to say that they benefit from racism. According to press reports, in some cases, these trainings have further claimed that there is racism embedded in the belief that America is the land of opportunity or the belief that the most qualified person should receive a job. These types of quote trainings not only run counter to the fundamental beliefs for which our nation has stood since its inception, but they also engender division and resentment within the federal workforce. We can be proud that as an employer, the federal government has employees of all races, ethnicities, and religions We can be proud that Americans from all over the country seek to join our workforce and dedicate themselves to public service. We can be proud of our continued efforts to welcome all individuals who seek to serve their fellow Americans as federal employees. However, we cannot accept our employees receiving training that seeks to undercut our core values as Americans and drive division within our workforce. The president has directed me to ensure that federal agencies cease and desist from using taxpayer dollars to fund these divisive un American propaganda training sessions. Accordingly to that end, the Office of Management and Budget will shortly issue more detailed guidance on implementing the president's directive. In the meantime, all agencies are directed to begin to identify all contracts or other agency spending related to any training on critical race theory, white privilege or any other training or propaganda effort that teaches or suggests either one that the United States is an inherently racist or evil country Two, that any race or ethnicity is inherently racist or evil. In addition, all agencies should begin to identify all available avenues within the law to cancel any such contracts and or to divert federal dollars away from these un-American propaganda training sessions. The president and his administration are fully committed to the fair and equal treatment of all individuals in the U.S. The president has a proven track record of standing for those whose voice has long been ignored and who have failed to benefit from all our country has to offer. And he intends to continue to support all Americans regardless of race, religion or creed. The divisive false and demeaning propaganda of the critical race theory movement is contrary to all we stand for as Americans and should have no place in the federal government. We need to actually break down what this means, because already I assure you the far left is screeching Trump is a racist. It's not true. He's trying to end equality trainings or other nonsense. Let me show you how absurd critical race theory is. According to Wikipedia, critical race theory is a theoretical framework in the social sciences developed out of postmodern philosophy that uses critical theory to examine society and culture as they relate to categorizations of race law and power. It began as a theoretical movement within American law schools in the mid to late 1980s as a reworking of critical legal studies on race issues and is loosely unified by two common themes. Firstly, critical race theory proposes that white supremacy and racial power are maintained over time and in particular, that the law may play a role in this process. Secondly, critical race theory work has investigated the possibility of transforming the relationship between law and racial power, as well as pursuing a project of achieving racial emancipation and anti-subordination more broadly. They're going to say critics of CRT, critical race theory, including Richard Posner and Alex Kaczynski, take issue with its foundations in postmodernism and reliance on moral relativism, social constructionism, and other tenets contrary to classical liberalism. I got to stop right there because already, what does any of this mean? Classical liberalism is the basis for the most part for our country. The idea that you need the consent of the governed to run a country and that individuals have rights. Under critical race theory, it's mostly about the collective In fact, take a look at this one segment, whiteness as property from the CR from the critical race theory perspective, the white skin that some Americans possess is akin to owning a piece of property in in that it grants privileges to the owner that a renter, in this case, a person of color would not be afforded. Cheryl L. Harris and Gloria Ladson Billings describe this notion as of whiteness as property, whereby whiteness is the ultimate property that whites alone can possess. Valuable, just like property. The property functions of whiteness, rights to disposition, rights to use and enjoyment, reputation and status, property, and the absolute right to exclude make the American dream more likely and attainable for whites as citizens. This is inherently and overtly racist. They talk about something called whiteness, and they don't. They they don't talk about whiteness as in your skin color. They kind of do, but they've basically created this idea that if anyone acts a certain way, they are acting white. They believe that time, the concept of time itself is racist, that scheduling your work is racist. They believe that working hard is racist, and they believe that saving for your future is also racist. This is what Trump is stopping, and I am not trying to exaggerate. National Nuclear Labs employees sent to seminar that claimed rugged individualism and hard work are white male culture. The seminar for Sandia Labs executives also involved writing apology letters to marginalized people. From reason, the National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C. found itself in a small scandal last month after visitors to its website discovered an infographic that listed hard work and rational thought as traits of white culture. The crude stereotypes drew well-deserved derision, right? These people believe that white individuals from Europe created basically everything we do, which is insane considering people all over the world know how to do math, to time things, how to uh, even uh, uh, calculate the circumference of the earth. These were not the requirements of, of European settlers coming in and bringing knowledge Asia, Asia developed a ton of technologies. These people are inherently racist and, in my opinion, indoctrinated into a paranoid, delusional state. They go on to say, it's not just the museum. Last year, Sandia National Laboratories, a federal contractor responsible for building the U.S.'s nuclear weapons, sent its executives to mandatory diversity training with the White Men's Caucus on Eliminating Racism, Sexism, and Homophobia in organizations. This group's educational materials, which were obtained by Christopher Rufo." a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, include many of the same racial stereotypes. As Rufo writes, participants were told that the, roots of, uh, that the roots of white male culture consist of rugged individualism, a can-do attitude, hard work, striving towards success, which sound good, but are in fact devastating to women and people of color. In fact, the trainers claim that white male culture leads to lowered quality of life at work and at home, reduced life expectancy, unproductive relationships and high stress. It also forces this white male standard on women and minorities. The seminar also asked white males to recite a series of white privilege statements and white privilege uh, and male privilege statements. It concluded with its white male participants writing letters of apology to marginalized people whom they may have harmed, according to Rufo, who made the documents available on his website. Of course, working hard, a can do attitude, are elements of many other cultures as well, and they've all been very successful. It is universally true that working hard and saving for the future and having a can-do attitude lead you to success. There are other factors involved, and sometimes there are negative things that can impact you, but this is insane to suggest. As if people in Asia couldn't figure out how to work hard. In fact, they did. It wasn't white people who invented or developed their culture and their architecture, and their farming techniques, or their language. That is all insane to suggest. And it results in nightmarish policies like this. California Proposition 16, repeal Prop 209 Affirmative Action Amendment. Most of you know this already. But because this strikes at the core of my being, and is one of the principal reasons why I will be voting for Donald Trump, I want to make sure this is known far and wide by everyone. That Democrats in California are actively seeking to repeal civil rights law. And guess what? They've already done it. It's going to referendum in November. A yes vote supports the constitutional amendment to repeal Prop 209, which stated that the government and public institutions cannot discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to persons on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin in public employment public education and public contracting. What we are seeing in California is the exact opposite of what Trump just did. I am shocked by this, and I didn't believe it the first time I've heard it. The first time I I heard it, they're actively doing this. The problems that we're seeing, like this Sandia Labs, where they're telling people all of these things are whiteness, are not isolated to just Sandia Labs. Many on the left are saying, please give me examples of this. Well, I can give you this as the best example of these diversity trainings. It is believed they are, in fact, affecting many other agencies. It's not just this one organization or this one agency that has to do these trainings. But we can see that critical race theory and leftist identitarianism is spreading far and wide. And I assure you, you will not want to live in this world. These people are insane, authoritarian racists, and they're violent. Take a look at this story. From back in July 9th, Military Times says Army investigates handout suggesting Trump campaign slogan constitutes covert white supremacy. Now, that's the headline, but I don't believe that's the real story. I believe this is actually a buried lead. What was actually sent out is this pyramid, things to think about. And there's a line saying overt white supremacy, socially unacceptable and covert white supremacy, socially acceptable. But they mentioned things like saying, don't blame me and saying things like, education funding from property taxes is racist. They believe that calling the police on black people is racist. They believe colorblindness, colorblindness, which means not judging someone based on the color of their skin is covert white supremacy. That's what was being sent out by the army. Now, this resulted in in, uh, an investigation. They said the army Wednesday night announced it has launched an investigation into how a presentation on racism and discrimination Included a handout suggesting Donald Trump's campaign slogan, MAGA, is considered covert white supremacy. The investigation was launched after a campaign from an Alabama congressman. Now, it is freaky that they're trying to target a political slogan, Make America Great Again. What does that have to do with anything? You could make America Great Again because America is great in many ways, and many ways we lost that. In fact, based on their own argument that they're trying to repeal civil rights law, You could argue that repealing civil rights law would make America great again, to them at least, right? I mean, think about it. But they think the slogan itself is covert white supremacy. This is the military using the ideology to attack a political campaign. Many wondered if this was a violation of the Hatch Act because the the government, the federal government, is not supposed to be distributing partisan propaganda. But here it is. This whole list is absolutely insane. They say being a white ally a self-appointed white ally is white supremacy. They say police brutality is white supremacy, but police brutality can affect anybody. They say fetishizing black indigenous people of color is covert white supremacy. Quite literally, being attracted to non-white people is also racist. Yeah, I'm sure many of you know this stuff. It's, it's, it's I mean, we, I've been following this stuff for a long time. That's why I stress, please share this so people can see exactly what's going on. Because if they had any idea what was coming next, they would not like it. The CDC employees call out agencies' toxic culture of racial aggressions. is from July 13th. They're demanding, look at this, more than 1,200 current employees at the CDC have signed a letter calling for the federal agency to address ongoing and recurring acts of racism and discrimination against black employees. They say they want a national public health health crisis declaration on racism. In the letter addressed to CDC Robert Redfield, the authors put their call for change in the context of the coronavirus pandemic's disproportionate impact on black people and the killing of George Floyd. In light of the recent calls for justice across this country and around the world, we as dedicated public health officials can no longer stay silent to the widespread acts of racism and discrimination within the CDC that are in fact undermining the agency's core mission. The letter offers a rare glimpse inside a famously opaque federal agency. Now, 11,000 people work here, which means just around 10 percent of the people are making demands on the agency in this way. But you need to understand something. Racial aggressions. You need to understand this in the context of critical race theory. That is someone saying, I don't wish to treat you any differently because of your skin color. That's racist. That's what they're complaining about, among many other things. But isn't that what we strive for? Isn't that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream? I'm surprised every day that I see these individuals on the left invoke Martin Luther King Jr. Because he would stand in opposition to the things you're saying. I mean, first of all, it was a, it was a long time ago. So the dude was probably substantially more conservative than many of these individuals because everybody was a lot more conservative way back when. More importantly, what did he say? He said, I have a dream that one day my four children will live in a country where they're judged on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And I love it and I respect it. I mean, I was raised on that and I still believe it to be true. I believe racism is horribly inefficient. If you were going to hire someone to do a job and you made assumptions about how they could do that job based on their race, you'd probably end up with random levels of skill. But if you had a group of people, white, black, Mexican, Asian, And you said, I would like a job done. And here's what I'm looking for. They would offer up their portfolios and you would say, this is the best one. I'm hiring you. Or you'd look at testimonials, judging them based on the color of their skin is meaningless and a horrible waste of time. Take a look at the work they've done. And that's why I believe Martin Luther King Jr. was correct. But what does critical race theory tell us now? I introduce you to Ibram X. Kendi, prophet of anti-racism. And again, I will stress this is why I say you need to share this video. They say it is a measure of how deeply our culture is fragmented, that some of the best read people in the country have never heard of Ibram X. Kendi. Most Wall Street Journal readers would probably have to Google him. But Kendi now has four books at or near the top of the bestsellers list, including Stamped from the Beginning which is a history of American racism that won the National Book Award in 2016, and two books on racism for younger readers. Racism is Kendi's thing. His newest, How to Be an Anti-Racist, reappeared at the top of the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list this summer, having spent several months on the list last fall and winter. And most people don't know who he is. I'd like to introduce you to one of his quotes, so you can better understand the ideology that Trump is trying to stop. Kendi said, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, telling us outright and overtly judge people based on their race. And there it is. He says, if discrimination is creating inequity, it's racist. But if it's creating equity, it is anti-racist. This is just semantics discriminating against someone based on their race is bad, whether it's positive or negative. Positive discrimination would be assuming that an Asian person is good at math. That's not always true, particularly for American people who happen to be Asian. Now, culturally, in some areas of Asia, they may be good at math, but to assume that someone from Vietnam has the same level of skills as someone from China simply because they're both Asian is is just ridiculous. The same is true for Indian people. That's positive discrimination. You're saying a good thing about them, but it's just not true. Or I should say that's, uh, in a sense, positive discrimination. Another way to describe positive discrimination would be giving someone a job based on their race under these assumptions or what they've been trying to implement in affirmative action, which is their argument for repealing civil rights law. They want positive discrimination and negative discrimination in the sense that they will tell Asian people you must score higher than everyone else to get on the on the SATs to get into college. So that is specifically targeting a marginalized community. But they don't care. They just want to discriminate to create some kind of weird out of digitized uh, balkanized society. I don't know how else to put it. The the idea being that everyone's got to be packaged in neat little boxes and they can't intermingle. That's horrifying. Trump is doing the opposite of that. His memo says we want people working together of all races to be equals. And that's well, that's the future I like. Why? Well, because of progressive ideology, because of people like Bernie Sanders, who fought for civil rights back in the 60s, I actually exist. And a lot of people know this because I bring it up, but this is particularly important to me. And it's a reason why I'm voting for Trump. I come from a sec. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a second generation mixed race individual on I'm, uh, I'm, my family. And I know the history of civil rights. Progressives fought for this. The left fought for this. They won. And from the uh, the you know uh, the end of miscegenation laws, legalizing interracial marriage and granting civil rights, we ended up with many people who have different ethnic backgrounds they don't like us they say really nasty things and i have seen the negative impacts of positive and negative discrimination on my own family and it's nightmarish and i will no i will not entertain a possible world where they strip civil rights legislation away i told my friend who's a progressive it is your side that put these laws in place that created me and my family and the world i live in and i will not let you strip away my rights but they don't care because they believe in overt white collective action. And to me, that's scary. I believe Donald Trump has done something very powerful with this move, and I would absolutely implore him and others in the Republican Party to do everything they can to stop this. And that's why I'm just out. You see, look, of the the Democratic Party, early on, this was uh, was 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 within the confines of universities And I ragged on it back then. But as the years have gone on, it's become more and more pervasive in industry and government. It should have never gotten into the federal government, but it's getting there. I'm worried it will spread no matter what we do, because these these people exist. They they exist. This religion exists. What Trump has done is a defensive move, but it's not perfect. It's good. It's great. I'm happy. More must be done. This must not be allowed to persist. It flies in the face of the dream of Dr. King himself and I personally won't stand for it. We'll see how it plays out. Keep in mind, this is a major underpinning of the Black Lives Matter riots. It's why they're going around raising the fist and screaming and demanding people adhere to their religion. So please consider sharing this video to let people know. I got more uh, content coming up, more segments at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. It's a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last night, we saw some pretty severe rioting in Rochester as a very large Black Lives Matter group made their way through the city. At one point, they approached a restaurant and started pushing out the patrons while chanting Black Lives Matter, eventually knocking tables over as some of the patrons began screaming and running from the scene. Most of the patrons seemed to have just got up and walked away. But they went into this outdoor dining area, knocking tables over, saying, party's over, time to go. We're ending your party, things like that. And that was scary. But we also saw videos of Black Lives Matter extremists climbing on top of people's homes to cheering and yelling. And in one video, they even tried breaking into people uh, to an apartment building. I warned it's only a matter of time before they break into your house, before they come to where you live. How many people in Rochester expected this to happen in their town? How many people in Kenosha? What we are seeing is low tier terrorism they go up to these people, the dining, uh, you know, first they went to the restaurants and they raised their fists and said, salute, do it now. Now they're actually shoving people out. We have more information as it pertains to the Antifa Black Lives Matter crackpot killer in Portland. This man, Michael Reinold, who killed the Trump supporter, the arrest warrant, uh, I, I believe it's uh, the arrest warrant has been released. And I can say it now appears we have confirmation I I want to be delicate because I'm going to be uh, basically giving my analysis based on this photo, but I think any reasonable person would conclude. We have an image of the Black Lives Matter Antifa guy hiding around a corner with his hand on his weapon, stalking Aaron Danielson and Pappas. I'm not, uh, I think his name is Chandler Pappas. I'm not sure. This guy, this Antifa far left guy, stalked them for about a block or so before killing this man. It was not self-defense it was not an accident. Many of us speculated it was a targeted killing, and now we have photographic evidence that I believe confirms that fact. I'm being very, very delicate when I say I believe, so forgive me. But you can look at the images for yourself. You combine the overt level of extremism, and 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 I, and I need you to realize just how serious this is. Donald Trump apparently recently said that. Uh, he's going to be having the DHS uh, uh, say that white supremacy is the most dangerous and persistent threat in this country, and a lot of people got mad saying this is the stupidest thing in the world. And I think it is pretty dumb. I think I know why he's doing. It. I think it's I think it's political. But I think you need to consider something. Have there been what we would describe as far right extremists? I would say technically yes. Not even the ADL has an accurate description of what far right really means. Like anti government is far right, but that's kind of weird because antifa is anti government, so. They try to define it. But I will tell you this, the Klan, the supremacists, whatever, they have no organizational power. Now, take a look at the left. Now you have people armed with guns. They've killed, uh, what, 30 plus people in the riots. Now they're actively targeting Trump supporters. In this video, we can see it. This is the line has been crossed. But they also have massive organized organizational power and fundraising. They're a national organization that has brought in, what, tens of millions of dollars. They can snap their fingers and get a thousand people in the street like we saw in Rochester. And then their enforcers, their lunatic crackpots will hunt, hunt down a Trump supporter and kill him. Pray this is where it stops. But I'm sorry, I just don't see it. And I know a lot of people are saying that, you know, uh, a bit too pessimistic. I I got, you know, to the people who are upset that I'm, Being a realist on this stuff. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm not the only one who said this and I didn't make it up. And I'm showing you an image right there on the screen of a far leftist Black Lives Matter Antifa guy stalking two Trump supporters just before he killed one of them. Was I wrong several months ago when I said it's going to come to gunshots? Was I wrong when I said they'll come to your homes? Last night they were on top of, of people's homes. They were trying to break into an apartment complex. What do you think happens next? I am not. I am not. It's not crystal ball scrying. I am not picking lottery numbers. They are telling us what they intend to do and why they intend to do it. They are saying revolution, nothing less. So why would you not take their word for it when every step of the way they've done exactly what they wanted to do? Let's take a look at this story and we'll talk about everything that's happened uh, with, with this and with Rochester from Seattle Times. Portland shooting suspect followed right wing activists after spotting them downtown, unsealed arrest warrant says. This, this, actually, I'll just jump to the warrant, okay? I wanna show you this image and read what it says just after this man Rhinel, identified the Trump supporters. You can see uninvolved subject, subject on skateboard in the photo, Danielson and subject one. But let's get down to the point where they show that Danielson was actually stalking these individuals. Take a look at this. They say 844 23. The female in the white T-shirt stops walking and stands against the wall as Rhinel continues. Danielson and Chandler Pappas are seen rounding the corner from the from the east and turning south onto South, south Southwest Third Avenue. Rhinel looks back toward Danielson and Pappas, but continues walking and begins reach begins reaching towards his waistband. They, char- they they said second degree murder. But come on, man. He saw these guys and immediately went for lethal force. They didn't do anything. These guys are walking down the street targeted hit. I shouldn't say hit, targeted killing. 84426. Rinal turns into the garage and reaches toward his left front waist area. Rinal conceals himself, waits, and watches as Danielson and Pappas continue walking by. Danielson and Pappas do not appear to interact or communicate with anyone and continue southbound on Southwest 3rd Avenue. Danielson appears to be holding a can in his right hand and what appears to be an expandable baton in his left hand. No knife. Interesting. No knife. We can see in this photo, there's Rhinel hiding around the corner in a parking garage as they walk past. He is stalking them. 844-33. After Danielson and Pappas walk by, Reinold begins to emerge from garage while still reaching towards the pocket or pouch on his waistband. Subject number two looks back at Rhinal. Danielson and Pappas cross westbound across Southwest 3rd Avenue and Rhinel and subjects number two follow them. The shooting occurs shortly thereafter, and it's not captured on surveillance video. But what do we know? Rhinel was lying in wait. He pulled back, waited for them to walk, and went up behind them. They were not threatening him. They were not attacking him. They were not following him, and they were not threatening anybody else. And he had his gun ready the whole time. Eight forty-four fifty-seven. After the shooting, Rinald was observed backing into view. While in the westmost lane, Rinal's right arm is raised as he is facing toward Danielson. Subject number two has already turned and is running away. Rinal then turns and runs north, then east on southwest Alder Street, while appearing to manipulate the same area of his vest with his hands. Based on the above information, I believe probable pro- probable exists that Michael Forrest Rinal, previously referred to in this affidavit as subject number one, committed murder in the second degree with a firearm as defined in Oregon Revised Statute 163.115, and unlawful use of a weapon with a uh, with a firearm as defined in Oregon Revised Statute 166.220, and the shooting and murder of Aaron Joseph Danielson at Southwest Third Avenue and Southwest Alder Street, City of Portland, County of Multnomah, State of Oregon. Therefore, I request a warrant to be issued for his arrest for the uh, for for the charge of murder in the second degree with a firearm as defined. Yada yada. He then goes on. So he talks about what happened a, a, a lot in that night. But I think we we can now say definitively, no self-defense, none whatsoever. When it came to Kyle Rittenhouse, he was being chased after uh, witnesses said he, uh, he or his group put out a fire uh, in a dumpster that was being pushed towards a gas station. They were causing destruction. They were attacking. They, Rittenhouse and his friends were being defensive. They attacked Rittenhouse and chased him. Someone fired a gun. He turned, defended himself. He ran to get help from the police. They knocked him down, started beating him. He fired in self-defense. Should he have been out there? I do not believe he should have been. No, but I'm not going to act like he was uh, the aggressor. Absolutely not. And two witnesses, uh, I, I believe, at least Drew Hernandez who was on the show last night, said he would have been killed. And he was there on the ground filming what was going on. That He said this guy would have been killed if he didn't defend himself. What about Reinold? Rinal stalked them. You can't argue self-defense if you wait, if you lie in wait and then stalk these men. Now I'll tell you what gets really scary. Donald Trump wants to say that, you know, whatever, white supremacy is the persistent threat or something. Fine. Whatever. I don't believe that uh, that makes sense. The right has no organizational power. And, you know, what, what I find particularly funny about the about many people on the right they say things like, if there was a civil war, it would be over so quick because the right has all the guns. Is that all you think it takes to win? You know, they often say the pen is mightier than the sword. I wonder, while many people on the right have been sitting in their homes, you know, polishing their rifle and saying, Haha, I can win any fight. That's true. Any physical confrontation. But can you win a strategic confrontation? And what technology do you control? Do you control lines of communication? Or is the tech Industry controlled almost exclusively by the far left. About that. How will you utilize financial technology, communications technology, and I mean, just literally any other tech platform when it's being dominated by the far left or at the very least, the corporations are on the side of the extremists. Black Lives Matter is organized. That organizational power is more powerful than any weapon. I mean, think about it. You get a guy in his home and he's armed and 300 people crash through his door and he might be able to defend himself against a couple of them but i'm sorry man you can't do it. You, you can't stop the mob when they're charging at you A 1000 people compared to a, you know a couple guys with with good guns no now you, I, we don't want any of this escalation we don't want it to get to that point but the the reason i bring this up is just to say don't be arrogant don't think that you're invincible and i think one of the big problems there's a lot of people, and I'm not saying everybody, and I'm not just blaming the right here, but there's a lot of people who are like ready for civil war because they do not understand what is at stake, and they do not understand what what they will face. You are th- these people are grossly underestimating their opponent, and that is a major, major mistake. I mean, read Sun Tzu: never underestimate your opponent, never. That's why I find it funny when they're like, "Oh, the right's going to win, H- hands down." These two Trump supporters were confident. I mean, why shouldn't they have been just walking down the street? I'm not saying saying confident in anything other than they're just walking down the street, minding their own business. Was there any Trump supporter willing to make a preemptive strike to cheat, to get their friends in the press to lie on their behalf? And then what happens? Almost every single leftist says it was self-defense. They lie. Remember that video? You may have seen it. Conservative commentator and journalist Jack Posobiec, He's walking, I guess he's walking down the street in DC, and a far leftist punches him. And then, when the police pull right up because they watched it happen with a smile on their face, the leftists are like, I didn't see anything. Nothing happened. He didn't do that. They lie right to the cops because they are cheating. They are willing to cheat, they are willing to do anything. You know what? I look at it like imagine this you got this honorable warrior, the samurai, he's going to fight you head on. Yeah. And then you got the ninja who drops down from the roof and puts a knife in his back. Because a ninja didn't care how he won, just that he did. So yes, the honorable and confident conservatives and right-wing, you know, activist groups and militias saying, we will only engage properly. We will, you know, treat with, you know, honor and integrity. And the left saying, we will lie in wait and stalk you. And then after they kill you, go on TV because their friends work for the major press and say, it was self-defense. Why? they were going to harm a person of color. And that's a massive disadvantage. Outside of the fact that the left controls cultural institutions, I think it's interesting that, look, it may be true that many on the right have guns, but liberals have been running out and buying guns like crazy. I believe many of these liberals are late to the party. These far left groups are not anti-gun. And I believe that's another mistake conservatives make when they conflate liberals with the far left. And again, not everybody, but there's some out there. There's conservatives who, who do this. The far left has been pro-gun for a very, very long time. And now they've been pu- publishing articles t- telling people it's time to go buy guns. So listen, you, you don't, don't underestimate what, what might, might happen. And there's a lot of people who think that it's going to be over in a minute. Nah, man, it's not. You've got to understand how propaganda works. You've got to understand the control of financial technology. I think I I just I mentioned this several times, though, but like seriously, go watch that movie, The Resistance Banker, and I'll tell you how important financial technology is going to be. How do you fund any of these groups? Sure, you've got weapons. How do you resupply and who's going to resupply you? What happens when hot conflict breaks out and then all of the phones of all of these groups just stop working? You know why? You don't own the software on your phone. You know that, right? Your Android phone, your iPhone. The software that makes it run is controlled by, is owned by Apple and Google. What if they remotely brick your phone? I'm sure they could if they wanted to. Now you can't communicate with anybody. You have no idea what's going on. If they want to shut it down, they will. And whose side are they on? So then you have to start, you know, going going old school. I just say this. Not uh, uh, the reason I bring this up once once again, just to clarify. Don't be arrogant. These people who think that it's going to be a cakewalk. No, it's going to be a horrific nightmare you will wish never happened. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are very well-trained and very smart and, and, and preppers, but I'll tell you this. There, there, there's a saying, I don't necessarily know exactly what it means, but a lot of people say it. Those who, those, those who know don't say, and those who say don't know. But, I, but I, 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 I'm thinking of this in reference to this trope of the guy in the bar minding his own business and the loudmouth guy who's walking around acting like he's all big and then it turns out the quiet guy who wanted to be left alone was the one you didn't want to mess with. There are people who know exactly what war would look like, who know exactly what this could lead to. And they're the ones telling you, you do not want this. I read this the other day. There was a post saying the people who've actually been to war, they're, they're the ones warning you, shut your mouth. This is not something you'll appreciate, not something you'll, 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 you'll want. And you have no idea just how bad it will really be with these far leftists. I think it's funny. They want civil war. They want chaos and revolution, just as much as, say, like the Boogaloo Boys. It's why many of the Boogaloo Boys have actually said that they're on the side of these far leftists. Here we have a man with his hand on his weapon. He knew what he was going to do. He was ready to do it. It was not self-defense. How can you argue self-defense when you stalk two men with your hand on your weapon, and then when they turn around, you shoot one of them? Pappas said, but when they were walking, they heard someone yell and they turned around. Now we know his statement is corroborated by surveillance footage. The far left has gone nuts. And I think it's it's we're in for we're, we're in for a mess, man. The reason I brought up brought up the organizational stuff, too, is that Black Lives Matter, we're shutting you down. Violent BLM protesters attack stunned diners and smash up a restaurant in Rochester in shocking footage during protest over the death of Daniel Prude. No, that's a riot but they'll riot for anything. So when you have enforcer types with guns, hunting people down, I hope that's a fluke. But why should I believe that's a fluke? We had a guy in Kenosha say, you take one of ours, we take one of yours. And then sure enough, this is what happened. That's why some people think it was, it was an eye for an eye, a tit for tat. They said, okay, Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, now we're going to go out. But Kyle Rittenhouse was self-defense, they don't care. They don't care about what's true or what's right. This man, Reinhold, Based on his interview with Vice News, is clearly delusional, saying there's like Trump supporters all around me with weapons. I mean, obviously he's lying, but the dude was nuts, clearly. Interestingly, an acquaintance of his says I don't have sympathy sympathy for him. They say a man who was suspected of fatally shooting a supporter of right wing group uh, uh, was killed by authorities. A local acquaintance of the man and uh, and the U.S. Attorney General had harsh words for the self proclaimed anti sympathizer. They say. uh, Craig Gilbert was acquainted with Rhino. He runs Gilbert's Tire Pros in Gresham and told Coin6 Rinald was a customer for more than a decade. Gilbert said he was shocked when he saw the Vice News interview making it, uh, making its rounds on social media. You can't shoot somebody in the chest and run off. And then you get on the, that thing I saw on Facebook, the video with Vice, and he's talking like, like he was hunting. And we're not animals, said Gilbert. Everybody's got a right to do what they want if it's peaceful. Unfortunately, it hasn't been peaceful, but you can't walk up to somebody... Be- Uh, You can't walk up because somebody's got a Patriot prayer hat or Trump hat or whatever and shoot them in the chest. It's wrong. We can't act like this. You know, there are still people screeching about Donald Trump and calling vets losers or whatever. Okay, you know what? I don't care if it's true at this point. I really don't. Let me tell you something. Trump got on the defensive with it. They called him a liar, all that stuff. Trump calls people names. He calls people fat pigs. Oh, yeah, so Trump said a bunch of losers were dead, whatever. I don't believe it because that's like a cartoonishly evil even for Trump. It's like a TDS fan fiction, you know but let me tell me let me ask you something. What are you more concerned about? Donald Trump two years ago called a bunch of uh, uh, fallen soldiers losers, or a far leftist stalked two Trump supporters executing one of them before fleeing the media. Gave him a space to lie, saying it was self defense. They were going to harm a person of color. Every single one of his leftist allies coming out saying he was only defending himself, but we know he was stalking these men. A group of hundreds, if not a thousand plus, Black Lives Matter smashing up a restaurant, climbing on people's homes. What is more important? I think it's hilarious. Their desperate attempt to spin the news cycle off the riots. Well, you know what the problem is, Democrats? You didn't stop the riots. Amazing. You thought you could change the news cycle when the riots are still happening and Democratic DAs refuse to prosecute them. What did you think was going to happen? You had one day where you're like, how dare Trump call vets losers? And people talked about it. And then by that night, extremists were smashing up a restaurant. Well, here's the story from the Hill. Nine in 10 voters say civil unrest, a key issue in presidential race. Nine out of 10. Black Lives Matter is actively and overtly supported by the Democrats. At the DNC, they showed images of people wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. They refuse to call it out. And it is Black Lives Matter that is going around and smashing up restaurants, trying to break into people's homes, harassing people at their homes. It is not Antifa. That's why this guy, I, Reinald, I don't call, he, he says he was anti for sure, but he's Black Lives Matter. You know why? It's very clear. If you, if an anti for guy walks up to a bunch of college kids and says, how many of you want to go tear down the government and have a revolution for communism? You're going to get mostly people saying, huh? What if they walk up and say, how many of you want to smash racism and fight for Black Lives Matter? A, 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 you'll get a huge, a, a, a huge group of people. like, Okay. The people that are marching aren't chanting anti-capitalista, they're chanting Black Lives Matter, a top-down national organization with different chapters that receives funding from across this country with organizational power that can snap their fingers and get thousands of people marching in the streets, while lunatics on the far left are given clearance to attack police, to firebomb buildings, to Molotov buildings, and not a single Democrat will call them out. So I ask you, what is more dangerous? But I'm going to leave you with some good news. Donald Trump has done potentially the smartest thing that I didn't even realize he could have done. As people said, invoke the Insurrection Act, send in the military. Others said, you can't do that. The local governments will resist. It will be like an occupying force. So the DHS deputized Oregon State Police. And now the far left is panicking. You know why? Those state charges that got dropped Well, apparently now the FBI is going to their homes and saying, don't worry, we picked those charges back up because the man who arrested you, he was deputized by the feds. This is a federal crime now. Smartest move ever. So listen, you want you want me to be idealistic and pretend like it's not happening? What should I say? Don't worry the warrant that came out proving that Reinald stalked Trump supporters and killed him. It means nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Go back to sleep, America. Here's American gladiators. Here's a thousand channels of it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say it was worse today than it was yesterday. Escalation is happening because those are facts. If you don't want to hear the facts, I'm sorry. I don't to tell you. I'm not trying to make you angry, but I will tell you the New York Times is telling us the exact same thing. Farhad Manju, I'm doomsday prepping for the end of democracy. Even if Trump loses, there's no guarantee we'll make it to the other side. I didn't just make this up one day, guys. I'm sorry. I wish it weren't true either. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have predictions and I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. I ordered emergency food. I ordered more emergency food. I'm not the only one. An op-ed in the New York Times saying doomsday prepping for the end of democracy. He's not kidding. He's talking about saving money because he thinks the, there's going to be an economic collapse or crisis and he wants to have cash available. I'm not even convinced the cash would be worth anything if that really happened. Although I don't believe we're going to get that bad. Otherwise, I'd be buying stacks and stacks of gold or something, which I'm not doing. I, I admittedly, I did buy a little bit. I got crypto and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But I'll tell you this. Surveillance footage came out showing that a far leftist hunted a guy down killed him. Black Lives Matter. Last night, attacked patrons at a restaurant, knocking tables over, smashing up tables, climbing on people's homes. Here's what I said. They'll come to your house. They won't. It won't be an individual kicking your door in and then shooting your dog or something. Right now, we are watching exactly what I said. First, they go up to your house. Then other people jump up and climb on the roof and they're all dancing. Other people see it eventually someone will jump in mob mentality and then everyone's throwing bricks at the house they don't know why someone will yell that's a nazi house they try breaking into an apartment building they're they're escalating because every time they hear this and every time they see this they're emboldened to take it one step further it's normalized if everything we just saw happened on day 1 of the black lives matter riots trump would be at 90% approval black lives matter would be at 95% opposition and people would be screaming But because we are frogs in a pot coming to a slow boil, we do not realize what is happening around us. Now, I do. Most of you probably do. But regular people who have been watching this, it's normalizing. So eventually they will be breaking into homes and people will be like, wow, they broke into another home again. Could you imagine? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time. Donald Trump is doing his job. He found a way to end the ongoing unrest in Oregon, namely Portland, without invoking the Insurrection Act, sending in the military or federal law enforcement, which probably would have been a disaster. Military came in. Locals would have been outraged. It would have been all over the press. And that's exactly what the left wanted. Instead, DHS has deputized state police. So the arrests they make will be prosecuted by federal attorneys. What does that mean? the local district attorney was cutting the rioters loose, dropping charges. We know that the Antifa crackpot killer actually was arrested on some gun charges previously, released, and the charges dropped. And then he went on to kill a Trump supporter after stalking him hand on weapon. Many people have said if he was properly prosecuted for the crimes uh, that he committed, this would not have happened. Well, by deputizing the state police, it remains a local affair. But the feds can Well, they can prosecute these individuals. And now the far left is starting to freak out on this website, which is the I believe it's the Portland Defense Group. or I'm sorry, the Portland General Defense Committee. They've posted this blog as of yesterday. GDC statement on recent visits to defendants by the FBI. And here it comes. Trump is aware what's going on. Trump has been calling for law and order and the media is desperate to get the narrative off of the riots, even though just the other day in Rochester just last night, they committed one of the most atrocious acts yet. Now, I know the murders are the worst part, but in terms of shocking the public to their core, they raided a restaurant and attacked regular people. And I know many of you may be saying, Tim, the murders were way worse. I know. know. But how many do you think regular people are paying attention to what's going on? What happens if? A bunch of crazy individuals screaming "Black Lives Matter," flip tables, and shove you out of a restaurant. That's going to wake you up, because they're kicking your door in. Oh yeah, the news is some far off land, but when they come to your house, that's when people start waking up. When they start going after regular people, you see what this Trump supporter, the left, is trying to claim self-defense and all this other nonsense. This, what we saw, is bad, and that's why the that's why the media and Joe Biden are getting are getting very very desperate. So this segment isn't necessarily going to be about rehashing what's going on with the riots, but I want to point out what I think Trump is doing well and what the DHS is doing well. And I'll point out right away, Joe Biden's strategy right now is to complain that Donald Trump said mean words. I kid you not. He didn't even want to go to Kenosha until he saw his poll numbers were going down. And think about this. While all of this violence and riots are erupting, what did Joe Biden do? You know the press conference because Trump said mean words. Is that who you want in charge? Not me. Well, let's read this statement from the GDC because it's a little bit of, it's a little bit cathartic, I guess. They say we have confirmed reports of the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, visiting people's homes in the last week or so. The result of some of these visits is that people with state charges, whether they have been no complained or not are being arrested by the FBI for federal charges of a similar nature. Below are some steps to uh, to dealing with an FBI visit. Amazing. The state is cutting them loose and the feds are showing up and saying, nope, and arresting them. Bravo. Smart move. It is still a local crime and the feds will take care of it. Now they list a bunch of things they want you to do and they give some advice. Let's read this. They say, do not talk to the police. Just don't talk. Is the safest approach for yourself, your friends, your comrades, and the community. Now, that's a good answer. I mean, uh, you should not always have your lawyer present. And I want to make sure this is clear. I think it's insane to demonize every single police officer. I I think it's insane to call for defunding and abolishing police. I think the smart approach is reform, more funding, and proper training and potentially new divisions that can deal with certain certain calls. I also think it's fair to point out, We have a bunch of cops that have been going around, in many instances, standing down and allowing this to happen. Now, I understand they're upset about this, right? Okay. But they're still following the orders of individuals who have political motivations, and they use the police for their political aspirations. When the Portland mayor tells these cops to stand down and they say, okay, they are sacrificing the safety of the community because they were told to. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. But you also have cops arresting business owners. You also have police officers in New York defending illegal street murals paid for by uh, illegally by taxpayer money for the political aspirations of de Blasio. I am no fan of these individuals. Reform is the simple solution to call for abolishing law and order is insane. Still, some of this advice is good. Yeah, don't talk to cops. Have your lawyer available. Here's what they say. Don't answer the door unless they have a warrant. You do not have to open the door. If you open the door by accident, say, I am busy right now and can't talk and close the door, or I am not going to answer any questions without my lawyer present. You can ask for a card from the agent, but again, be careful because they are going to try to engage you in conversation in any way. They say, do not lie to the FBI. It is a crime with the potential for five to seven years in federal prison. Saying, I don't know, can count as a lie. If they have evidence, you might actually know something. The FBI uses this tactic of getting people to lie as a way to pressure them to turn on their comrades. Sounds familiar. Sounds like uh, they may have done that to a particular national security advisor. If federal agents come to your door with a legitimate arrest warrant, you may want to step outside your door as quickly as possible and lock your house behind you. If the cops come inside to get you, they can and will search your house. If law enforcement has a warrant, read the warrant and take a photograph of it before letting them in. And they say, if you have been visited, call this number. If you were arrested on state charges, interfering with a peace officer, unlawful direct laser, anything like this. You may want to take some preventative measures in case you are visited and or arrested by federal law enforcement. They say create a support plan with your friends. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you what they're advising the far left to do. And then I'm going to also add my own advice for them to help them out. Okay, and you will appreciate this one. They say create a support plan with your friends, comrades and family to prepare. This link will take you to a series of questions to help with your plan. Or alternatively, my advice would be don't assault police officers and point lasers in their eyes. Also, refrain from rioting Two, talk to your housemates, partners, lovers or anyone else whose home you spend significant time in about what could happen. For example, talk through a police visitation, your arrest or a subpoena to a grand jury, along with what your friends and family should do if the state shows up and talks to them. Or alternatively, don't assault police officers, shine lasers in their eyes and refrain from rioting. Three, leave a poster or a sticker or note by the door reminding yourself and others that you not need to open the door. Yes. And also remember, you should say I will be remaining silent and I want to speak with a lawyer. And again, alternatively, you could just refrain from rioting. Don't assault police officers or shine lasers in their eyes. They say if it uh, it, it is possible, the state may visit your family at work. An organization. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, okay. And you get it too. Stop rioting. They say make a support plan. They're just saying the same thing over and over again. Set up a system with your organization or group. Now, there's the interesting one. Set up a system with your organization or group of friends to communicate quickly with each other in the event of a visitation, arrest, or subpoena. Alternatively, don't join terrorist organizations. Don't go around rioting trying to burn down police stations with people locked inside. So, anyway, they're running scared. This shows that Donald Trump is being effective. And guess what Joe Biden did? Nothing. He slept in his basement. I ain't going to Kenosha. You mean I got to do work? I'm not doing that. That was a big, big mistake. Right now, the riots are ongoing. Frank Luntz, probably the most prominent pollster, was even tweeting about this when they raided this restaurant. They are attacking regular people climbing on their homes. You want to know why Joe Biden make a huge, made a huge mistake trying to shift the the, the, the the news cycle? It was a desperate bid. And boy, are they latching onto it, desperate to say Trump hates the troops. Shut up. I don't care. They're, they're, these, these people are insane. They're burning buildings down. They're trying to roast human beings alive. And Trump is calling it out. And guess what? As I mentioned before, nine in 10 voters say civil unrest, a key issue in presidential race. Guess what just happened? Joe Biden turned his back on the unrest and the riots to complain that Trump is mean. Trump, on the other hand, has a DHS that is not only targeting the far left, but also targeting white supremacists. Now, some people complained about this. I think it's crafty and I think it's appropriate. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I believe Trump is still a couple steps ahead. We are watching this political chess game play out. The riots happened. The Democrats actively supported this. Don't take my word for it. Here's how the Democrats and media have responded to months of civil unrest following George Floyd's death. They just it's this is just a huge article going through everything Democrats were doing. Please stop calling this a riot. There are other words to describe this as Zerlina. They're riots. Trump said May 29th. I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis, a total lack of leadership either the very weak, radical left mayor, Jacob Frey, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard and get the job done right. Trump has smart people around him, and somehow he manages to stay one or two steps ahead of the left. Now, admittedly, they knocked him off base with this Trump hates the troops thing. And it triggered Trump because I don't believe Trump actually hates the troops at all. And I think, man, when someone lies about you in public and you know it's not true, you get mad about it. So this pulled Trump off the law and order message and tried shifting it back to COVID and Trump's disdain for the troops, which, again, I don't believe clever, but it was a tactical error. You know why? Because the riots are still happening. So it was only a matter of time before the narrative shifted. And now you know what I see? Donald Trump consistent since day one of the riots. Shut it down. I will send in the National Guard. Joe Biden nowhere to be found. Joe Biden's campaign staff supporting the rioters. Kamala Harris soliciting donations to bail them out. Then finally, when he's forced out of his basement and he and he he says, I'm not going to Kenosha, but, but I'll condemn the riots. Then Trump goes. Joe Biden desperately panics and rushes full speed a day later. What do they do? unleash the distraction. Trump two years ago called troops losers. Not that I believe it, nor do I care. And that was the mistake. Because Joe Biden, as quickly as possible, told America, I don't care that you are suffering. I don't care that they're attacking you. I don't care that they're burning down businesses and attacking you while you try to have a meal. I don't care, says Joe Biden. He can. He's more concerned with Donald Trump saying naughty words. I'm not. I know who Trump is. I've complained about that enough. I get it. That's who he is, even if it were true, whatever. He said he didn't call John McCain a loser. He did. He should have just said, "Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have. That's Trump. I get it. A lot of people like that he does it. You know what I'm more concerned about? They keep raising the bridges in Chicago. There's checkpoints everywhere, cops everywhere. And they quite literally hunted down a man and shot him in Portland. I'm concerned about that. Apparently, nine in 10 Americans are as well. And Joe Biden is a feckless coward hiding in his basement who only comes out because his polls took a hit. Donald Trump has been talking about this since day one. There were no polls coming out when this happened. He said, no, no, no. It wasn't till later we learned that the initial protests helped the Democrats. But Trump has consistently said, no, no, no. Instead, what do we get? The Democrats will say and do anything for political power. And I am sick of it. Joe Biden doesn't care about the riots. He doesn't care about white supremacists. But Donald Trump is willing to call them a terror threat as well. You know why? Because Trump, even if he doesn't agree, is willing to address the issue. So right now, there's a big breaking story. It's trending. Critical race theory. Donald Trump has said we will, by whatever legal means possible, purge contracts related to teaching about white privilege or critical race theory. At the same time, DHS is saying that white supremacists are the greatest terror threat. Trump's covering all bases, What are you going to say? Well, what about white supremacists? We definitely consider them a threat. And it's true. They are. Are they the greatest? I don't think so. I'm more concerned about the far left. But guess what? Trump is dealing with that, too. These are things I care about. You know why? I'll tell you this. I'm biased. I absolutely am. I I used to specifically cover conflict and crisis. I would go down to hurricanes, but mostly civil unrest. These are the things that have always I've always felt like are the most important because it's the fabric of society cultural politics plays a role in this, and so does electoral politics. But typically, my beat has always been conflict and crisis. I got started covering Occupy Wall Street. I traveled around the world, Spain, Egypt, Morocco, Brazil, etc. Well, Morocco wasn't uh, was an unrest. But many of these places I've been to, specifically Ukraine, Venezuela, specifically due to unrest. This is what I am focused on. It's what I care about. That's what I talk about. And guess what? Regular people care about this, too. And Donald Trump has been condemning Antifa for some time, for quite some time, calling out the riots. And Joe Biden will not say their name. Feckless coward. And you know what else? Neither will Oregon Governor Brown. Andy Ngo tweeted Galen Etlin asked Oregon Governor Brown why her statement condemning violence did not include uh, a mention of Antifa. She doesn't answer the question. Instead, she says she named white supremacy because it was her understanding the pro-Trump groups were that. Well, guess what? Donald Trump condemned white supremacist groups. The DHS is saying they're the greatest threat. Why would you assume Trump's supporters are white supremacists when he quite literally calls white supremacy the greatest threat? Trump knows what he's doing, and there are terrifying extremist white supremacists that need to be stopped by the FBI. And I'm more than happy to see the FBI going after them like they have been. And there were a couple of guys who apparently, check check the story out, two Missouri men arrested en route to Kenosha with assault style weapons. I don't know or care about uh, uh, the assault style moniker, whatever you want to call them. A couple of guys had a bunch of weapons and they were going to Kenosha and that is dumb and they shouldn't do it. Now, operating under the under the uh, uh, assumption, the DOJ, they were illegal weapons and they were arrested. I'm glad they did this, apparently crossing state lines with a bunch of weapons that were illegal. And I don't want to know why they were heading to Kenosha. I don't care what their reasoning was. We do not want escalation. We want de-escalation. We want everybody chill out, go home. It's the far left that won't stop. The last thing we need are right wing groups joining in. The Boogaloo boys are getting in trouble as well but they're not Trump supporters. They're actually more on the side of uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa in the sense that they're anti, you know, anti- they're more libertarian, more anti-government, more an- anarcho-right. And not all of them are bad, but some of them are, right? It's, it's true for any group. I've actually met some people who got in and protest with Antifa, and I would say they just don't realize the kind of support they're providing. But right now, I have no problem being critical of everybody who is going out and causing escalation. When I look at law enforcement and what Donald Trump's doing and the DHS, it seems to be a cohesive strategy that is working. Never interrupt your enemy when they are making mistakes. Joe Biden, I wouldn't even argue, is making mistakes. He's doing what he does. He's he's negotiating with the terrorists. That's what's happening. Think about this. In Rochester, We saw this this insane protest where they stormed through and were knocking tables over screaming Black Lives Matter. And what did Joe Biden do? That day is when he was like, yeah, but Donald Trump said mean words, mean words. There was a there was a protest in Rochester the night before. Joe Biden doesn't care about regular people. He doesn't. Unity saw an opportunity to knock Trump down a few pegs. And you know what? The left has has run with it. They're worried. They look bad. They were supporting the riots. Trump was right the whole time. Trump will condemn the far right, the far left. But this, I tell you, man, they can't escape it. And and Joe Biden is becoming absolutely desperate. He's absolutely desperate. But I think what we can see is there's two different strategies at play. On the Democrat side, Joe Biden's sitting in his basement, ignoring everything while a team does all the work for him. And then he and then they, and they come down and say, here's what you need to say today. And Biden goes, OK, and he has his scripted questions. He doesn't actually know or care what's going on. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your life. He cares about saying what he needs to say to attract the lowest common denominator voter to win. And that's been establishment politics for too long. Donald Trump, on the other hand, is actively running his own show for better or for worse tweeting out. I never called McCain a loser while he's got a tweet from 2015 where he's literally calling McCain a loser, not for McCain's service for losing in 2008. But Donald Trump is clearly stepping up and doing things of his own volition. And that says a lot. I can I can forgive Trump's faults. I can overlook some of his faults, but I'll be critical of the dumb things. He says, no problem. But I'll tell you this. Trump looks at the riots and he says, these riots are awful. You get this, uh, the, uh, uh, this guy, I believe it was Christopher Rufo, who said Trump needs to ban critical race theory. That's intersectionality. That's identitarianism. And Trump said yes and made a powerful move. Trump is doing these things. And, you know, you know I'll tell you this. The political campaigns today are completely inverted. It's yin yang, man. Donald Trump is an arrogant, egotistical individual. He knows what's right. He's going to do it. He knows better than you. And he's going to get the job done for better or for worse. I'm not saying that necessarily in a disrespectful light. I think there are issues with Trump being very arrogant, but he's actively stepping up to do things he thinks needs to be done. Joe Biden, on 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 the other hand, is a puppet candidate who has no idea what's going on a complete inversion of Donald Trump. Whereas Trump tells people, I want this done. And they go, Trump, you can't actually do that in government. OK, you have to do it this way. He's like, why not? I want it done. Trump found a way through the DHS to deal with these extremists. Joe Biden, he's like, I don't want to talk about the extremists. Can we just call Trump naughty words? Actually, I'm sorry. That's disrespectful to Joe Biden. The truth is, Joe Biden has no idea what he's even doing. He's sitting he's sitting in his chair the, with the blanket on his lap and they walk in and say, um, Uncle Joe, you need to say these things to the camera. Oh, what? what oh, oh, look, look, fat. I don't know what you want me to read. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. OK. And then he reads it. And you know what? You know what else? I think one of the reasons Joe Biden gaffes so much is because he doesn't know what was scripted. They're like, read this paper. And he starts reading through it. and He's old and his eyes are bad. And then he struggles to read what they wrote down. He didn't plan it in advance. He didn't write it himself. In fact, his DNC speech was apparently, apparently a ripoff of his previous speech with other plagiarism tacked into it. So let me tell you what's up. The feds are moving in. They're starting to go after these extremists, and I'm glad to see it. The rioting and destruction needs to stop. You have a right to peaceably assemble, and that includes sometimes civil disobedience. But that's the line. Violence you do not engage in. That, is, that has never been in the Constitution. And they like to go, don't you remember when the the founding fathers engaged in violence? And then they said, you know what? We shouldn't allow this in our country. It should be peaceable assembly. In fact, a lot of the conflict was instigated by the regulars. And at the the time, many people did consider themselves to be subjects of the crown. It was instigated by those who came here to shut down their efforts. There was no one to fight, duh. Let me make it clear for you when it comes to the American Revolution. The founding fathers in this country were all like, yo, we're independent. Have a nice day. And then they came and came to, to, you know, they, they sent the regulars here to quell the rebellion. Sound familiar? A bunch of Trump supporters go to a park and say, we are here to speak. Have a nice day. And Antifa goes, we are going to come in and crush you. You see the difference try and act like the American Revolution went to the UK or uh, Britain at the time or like, we're going to win our independence by going to you. That, That no, that makes no sense. So right now, let me wrap this up. Donald Trump is dropping the hammer and I'm glad he is doing it. There's a lot of things I don't like about this man. But you know what? At this at this point with with purging critical race theory, I love it. One hundred percent. That is a major issue for me. Shutting down the rioters. Keep going. Deputize more of these individuals. Arrest and prosecute these these extremists. They are fomenting this violence, and they travel across state lines anyway. And just no to Joe Biden, and also Donald Trump. No new wars. Get the troops out of Afghanistan. You know what? Bring it on. And I'm really I'm crossing my fingers for two things. I want Trump once he gets reelected to pardon Snowden and Assange. There I said it. Let's make it happen. Let's end this this ridiculous crony corporate capitalist garbage. And, and, and to clarify, there's a difference between crony capitalist corporatism and legit capitalism. I'm all for the mixed economy. I just don't like people selling favors and revolving door politics at the federal level. So get them out. Trump can come in, pardon a few people. It'll be a good time. And shut down the extremists. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel, and I will see you all then. Over on my main channel at youtube.com slash TimCast, I covered the major breaking news that Donald Trump has banned critical race theory and white privilege training at the federal government, canceling these contracts to the best of their legal ability. They still have contracts. And this is significant. It's a major victory for conservatives. But it says something else. One, it says that Donald Trump is an independent thinker. He does what he wants to do rather impulsively. He saw something. He said, end it. And he did. The memo was issued. The changes are coming. We'll see how it plays out. Joe Biden and Obama, on the other hand, just kind of went with the flow and tried to manipulate whatever they could. It's a real This shows us the real distinction between establishment politics and populist politics. Trump saying I'm in charge. I'm gonna do what I want. Whereas Obama Biden was whatever the lowest common denominator of voter will tell us to do, we'll do just give us the power. And that's resulted In the expansion of far left ideology and Black Lives Matter, I would say it's absolutely the fault of Joe Biden. And we have some hard evidence right now. You see, Joe Biden won't condemn Black Lives Matter. He won't condemn Antifa. Oh, he'll condemn the actions. He'll say, oh, the violence is bad. I've noticed something really fascinating. You will not be able to get a leftist to condemn Antifa by name for the most part. They won't do it. You'll say, hey, wasn't that murder in Portland bad? Yes. Can you say Antifa is bad? Well, I find it funny. You know why? Imagine if someone said, hey, Charlottesville is bad, right? Yes. Would you condemn white supremacy? Are you going to say no? Of course it's bad. I got no problem saying, guess what? White supremacists are bad. White supremacists are, are extremists should be tracked down and arrested if they're planning on breaking the law, they break the law or they hurt people. Antifa, exact same thing. Antifa, should be monitored for their extremist activities. When they break the law, they should be arrested. Extremism has no place in our country. Joe Biden, though, take a look at this article. It's a straight line from Biden to Black Lives Matter. You know, the media won't say the name. Biden won't say the name. But think about what happened in Rochester last night with all the riots going on and the people going to the restaurants, smashing, you know, flipping tables and chasing people out. Were these individuals yelling things like, uh, I prefer fighting video games? Did they yell anything like, I like pepperoni pizza? No. Did anybody yell anything about um, taxation is theft? No, nothing random like that. In fact, they were yelling something very specific. They were yelling Black Lives Matter because the extremists are overtly aligned with this group, and that's why he won't call it out. Joe Biden is an exploiter. He He just wants to exploit the rage, and in this article, I basically talk about the history of Black Lives Matter going back to the Obama years. But they end very simply by saying Black Lives Matter. It's from the National Review, by the way. Black Lives Matter is not a reaction to Donald Trump. That's true. It is a subversive movement of loosely knit but lavishly funded chapters that exploded on the scene in the Obama years amid the riding over the killings of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. Demagogues turned those horrific incidents into racial controversies, despite the lack of evidence that racial animus led to the fatal confrontations. And despite the abundant evidence that the decedents were culpable, the Obama Biden strategy was to embrace Black Lives Matter as an ally, exploiting BLM's agitation in order to suppress opposition to shared political goals. It still is. And this is why Biden steps up black voter outreach in battleground states. Ah, there it is. You see, the Democrats know they're losing the black vote to Trump. Black voter approval for Trump is very, very high. Some estimates say that Trump's going to get around 16 percent of the black vote, this time doubling the amount of votes he got last time. I don't know for sure. I'm not black. I can't tell you what the black community is thinking, but I can see the polls. Poll after poll after poll shows that Trump's approval rating is skyrocketing. This is why Joe Biden embraced Black Lives Matter, but it was a mistake in their desperation to get black voters. The only thing they knew how to do was scream racism. Well, Donald Trump didn't do that. Donald Trump said, what do you got to lose? Donald Trump says, I'm gonna get your unemployment down. Could you believe it? Oh Heavens. The approach that Donald Trump took to getting black uh, voters to vote for him was to say, I'm going to help improve your community and offer up jobs same as I would for anybody else. And they said, "Okay, that sounds good. Why? Because people are people. And, and uh, taking the race approach is racist. I'll put it this way. If I had to earn votes, I wouldn't go to someone and say, based on the color of your skin, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you don't like those people. That's basically what Joe Biden is doing. That's ridiculous and racist. How about you go to someone and say, what if I got more jobs for your community? We helped you know, lift up property values and make life generally better, help you guys come up. People are going to be like, I like that. I would like to have more money and more access to resources. You see, the Democrats have been taking the racist play, going to them and saying, aren't you angry at at, the government? Aren't you angry at Trump supporters? Aren't you angry at this group of people, that group of people, white people? That's what they thought they could do. It's not working. And it's resulted in, in violence and vandalism, notably from white people, mind you. And this is the play. Now Biden is desperately trying to get black voters in battleground states. The Hill reports Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign has in recent days increased outreach to black voters in battleground states expected to play a pivotal role in the outcome of November's general election. You see, Biden was hoping he could hide in the basement. Then the riots got really bad and he was forced to come out of his basement. Did he actually care about the riots? No. Did he care about the businesses that were destroyed? No. Did he go to New York after all the destruction, survey the damage and say, I can't believe this is happening in America. We must stop it. No, he didn't even want to go to Kenosha. Not until his poll number started tanking. And what do we get because of his tacit approval? Well, mind you, the Biden campaign has staff that actually funded bailouts for the rioters. Welcome to New York. Black Lives Matter protesters riot in Manhattan caused $100,000 in damage, NYPD. And this was just this morning. I didn't I can't believe it. You know, there are so many stories that I missed over the past several months I was really shocked. You know, I'm I'm looking at all of these different riots in these different cities, and the news cycle at the national level flips so quickly. I didn't realize how how far and wide these riots and this damage really went. So when you realize that all these small towns are suffering to this day because of the riots, you start to realize Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's support for all of this is particularly egregious. It's substantially worse than even I realized. I mean, I thought it was bad. We heard about these 30 cities, but look at this. It's still happening. Joe Biden won't say a bad word about them; He wants their vote. And neither will any other Democrat in their hatred for Donald Trump. They will watch this country burn. Take a look at this lady. Governor Brown maintains stance to not bring National Guard into Portland protests from yesterday. Amazing. Well, yesterday, or I should say today, we're starting to see the ramifications of their inaction. Trump is cleaning up the mess. And that's the point of this video. Kind of an addendum to my main channel, as I typically do, a little extra that didn't really fit the whole thing. Joe Biden, Barack Obama supported eh, somewhat tacitly Black Lives Matter because they wanted the rage. They were like, "Ooh, people are mad, right? Well, that's our shtick. We'll claim, hey, racism, vote for us. Even though they never really solved the problem, they don't want to. They need the power. They need an excuse and they need a problem to use to gain the power. Donald Trump called them out. Donald Trump has done several things showing he is cleaning up the mess in our culture caused by Obama. The rise of critical race theory and intersectionality was under Obama, and it's gotten worse and worse. And while it's gotten worse under Trump, for sure, Trump is striking back. There are many things Trump has not done that he, well, some things he can't do. He's tried to do some things like uh, redef- like, like uh, clarifying Section 230 to solve the censorship problem. But Trump is just the president. There's only so much he can do, but he's doing things recently called for defunding these anarchist jurisdictions, he said, deputizing state police in Oregon so that when these extremists are arrested, the feds can prosecute and banning critical race theory from the government. He is cleaning up the mess of the previous administration. Joe Biden would bring all of that back, and I am not going to play that game. And we can see it with Governor Brown. They won't even say the words. It's not hard. White supremacist groups are bad. In fact, I'll even say militias, right wing militias that are typically peaceful but still go into these areas are also causing problems. It's true. They're causing problems. and The escalation is upon us. What we need is right now people to agree to simmer down. Listen, when the far left go and riot, they go and riot in their own towns. If the local government can't deal with it, the people need to vote them out. I do not like the idea of right wing groups going into those areas because it'll just make things worse. Let's chill. We just need to chill for a little bit. But Joe Biden, in my opinion, if elected, if he becomes president, will keep entertaining these ideologies. The Democrats need to. They need to maintain a stranglehold on minority and marginalized votes. It's all they have. And Republicans do have a large amount of white people. They're actually, you know, Donald Trump's actually losing white liberals. It's amazing. And many white voters. And he's gaining among Hispanics and black voters. Who's got the real coalition now? Well, the Democrats have the coalition by force. If you don't vote for us, we'll cancel you. And Trump has the coalition of the willing people who are actually crawling over broken glass to vote for him. People who know that by speaking up in defense of Trump, they will be attacked, maligned and destroyed, potentially fired. So I think about that. If Donald Trump's support is 30 percent from black voters, I'd have to imagine it's all higher. Every, every, every group. You know why? We know the risks of coming out and saying we're going to vote for the guy. And I, I was critical of him several times today. And I, I, tend, I tend to be, because I think Trump says dumb things. But he made some moves today that I like. Ending this critical race garbage that Joe Biden entertained because they want the power. Nah. I would rather have a president who says, I'm just going to do what I got to do. What did Trump say? Trump said, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. If I'm wrong, I guess I'm going to lose an election. <laughs> Bravo. Good, sir. That's what I want to hear. These people are, are engaging in terrorism smashing up restaurant chairs, climbing on people's homes, literally killing someone in Portland. Who do you want? The guy who doesn't care about it is only coming out because he needs the vote or the guy who's been complaining about it nonstop, who doesn't care whether people like him or not. I'll take the guy who's actually leading for all of his problems. Like I said, I'm going to vote for the a-hole over the coward any day. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I hereby call on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and whatever other social media platform to ban Kamala Harris outright, no warnings, permanent ban. The horrible anti-vaxxer she is coming out saying, I'm not going to take Trump's vaccine. A lot of people have come out saying that because, you know, Operation Warp Speed or whatever is going to get this vaccine done just before the election. They're like, no way I'm taking that thing. And all of a sudden the left have become anti-vaxxers. That's right. When Donald Trump is the name leading the charge for vaccine, they come out against it. I'm kidding about banning Kamala Harris, obviously. But isn't this the best story ever? Remember that story that Donald Trump as com- a joke. Donald Trump comes out in favor of oxygen. So Democrats hold their breath. Here we go. Donald Trump says, OK, let's get a vaccine and put a bunch of resources into it. And all of a sudden, whoa, I don't trust Trump. I'm not going to take Trump's vaccine. Really? What an interesting perspective, you anti-vaxxers. No joke. Straight up anti-vaxxer. Not even exaggerating. Because what if what have people who have been critical of vaccines have said? Things like I don't want rushed vaccines, some people saying I'm concerned about potential ingredients, I want another side effects. There have been many people who have been smeared as anti-vax simply for saying, why should I entertain mandatory vaccinations? Like, why should I put a product from a private company in my body by force? Now, there are some people who believe crazy things about vaccines, for sure. I've gotten tons of vaccines. I seem to be functioning okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll get cancer when I'm 50, whatever. I've gotten a ton. I've traveled around the world. I got my vaccines when I was a kid. I got a bunch of vaccines later because when you travel, you got to get all these shots. It's kind of annoying. But uh, I seem to be fine. I don't know, whatever. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Will I get the COVID vaccine? Yes, not immediately. Uh, I'll probably sit back, see how things go, uh, mostly because I have concerns about the speed at which they are rushing things through. But I, I'm not particularly worried about it. Now, there have been stories about rushed vaccines and problems in the past. So we will see. I'm not going to rush at the front door, but you know potentially we'll see how it plays out because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I know that they're rushing through this right now, and it's unprecedented. And so I have concerns about this. But I've always been a bit of a skeptic, and I've always been, I don't know, level-headed in terms of, I don't care who's proposing it. It could be Trump. It could be Biden. Uh, I'm going to take the same idea. I'll chill. But here comes Kamala Harris. All of a sudden, her and many other leftists now have an aversion to getting vaccines. Well, I have the same aversion. I don't care who makes the vaccine. If they rush something out, I'm not going to be completely confident in it. Let's see what's going on. Kamala Harris says I will not take his word for it. Kamala Harris says she would not trust Trump alone on a coronavirus vaccine. Democratic vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris said that President Donald Trump's word alone on any potential coronavirus vaccine is not enough. Asked by CNN's Dana Bash in a clip released Saturday whether she would get a vaccine that was approved and distributed before the election. Harris replied, well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. And it would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the efficacy and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. She continued in the clip from an exclusive interview airing Sunday on CNN State of the Union. Uh, I will not take his word for it. That's fascinating. Uh, she didn't answer the question, did she? Because uh, le- let me answer. Let's see. Asked by Dana Bash in a clip whether she would get a vaccine that was approved and distributed before the election. Tim Poole will reply, um, depending on how soon it is before the election. She's saying before the election, is it a day before the election? Because I'm going to wait a little bit. But I fully intend to at some point. Well, I say I fully intend to. We'll see how it goes. You know, eventually I will get a vaccine. Not hard to say, right? I don't care if Trump says it's good or bad. Trump's not the one who made it. That's a stupid thing to say. CNN reported Thursday that Trump has pressured administration health officials to accelerate the vaccine's development in an effort to convince voters of an impending end to the pandemic, threatening his election. Oh, yeah. A number of sources familiar with the internal workings told CNN the responsibility feels immense and the environment is akin to that of a pressure cooker. When asked by Bash whether she thought that public health experts and scientists would get the last word on the efficacy of the vaccine, of a vaccine, Harris predicted they will not. If past is prologue that they will not, they'll be muzzled. They'll be suppressed. They will be sidelined, Harris said, because he's looking at an election. I'm not going to. It's too annoying, right? because he's looking at an election coming up in less than 60 days, and he's grasping to get whatever he can to pretend he's been a leader on this issue when he's not. This is what I love about this. I always say, if someone does the right thing, you got to give them credit for it. And that's true of Joe Biden. When he came out and condemned the violence, I said, thank you, Joe Biden, for condemning the violence. I appreciate it. Please call them out by name. I'm still not going to vote for you. What they do here is they complain Donald Trump is no leader on COVID. So Trump says, okay, we are going to go full steam ahead to solve this COVID problem with a vaccine. And they say, oh, now he's just desperate. (laughs) What is he supposed to do? No matter what he does, they hate the guy. Should he say, then I will do nothing and we'll get no vaccine. Well, now Trump's not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Kang and Kodos are running as Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. You ever see that one? It's hilarious. And uh, uh, I can't remember who's speaking, but they're like, They're like, no, Uh, they're like abortions for all. And then everyone goes boo. And then he goes "Uh, abortions for everyone. And they go boo. And he goes, hmm, abortions for some tiny American flags for all. And then they go, yay. Like that's what it feels like. No matter what you say, everyone's going to boo. But that was supposed to be a joke. It wasn't supposed to be real life. Once again, I think it's fair to say that Simpsons predicted something. Donald Trump could come out and be like, this COVID thing is really bad. And they're going to be like, COVID is good. I know. And not that much. I'm kidding. But when Trump, come, you know, Trump comes out against critical race theory, they all go, what are you talking about? Oh, he's making this stuff up. You guys have been cheering for this stuff forever. Let's read more. They say the administration sought to counter concerns that politics will influence elements of the vaccine's development. Monsif Slawi, sorry, I can't pronounce it. The chief advisor to Operation Warp Speed said in an interview with Science, published with Science, published Thursday, that he would resign from his role if there was undue interference in the COVID-19 vaccine effort. Quote, I have to say, there has been absolutely no interference, he continued, adding that he would be out if he saw a push for a US FDA emergency use authorization that he didn't believe in. And administration health officials have continued to insist that no vaccine or treatment will be approved for use, either through full authorization or an emergency use designation, unless it is safe and effective. No one is pressuring the FDA to do anything, Trump's press secretary Kayleigh McEnany said on Thursday. You know, I've been pronouncing her name wrong, and someone told me that. McEnany. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, has said he would get a COVID-19 vaccine one, vaccination once a vaccine proves to be safe and effective and becomes available. I will look at the data, and I would assume And I'm pretty sure it's going to be the case that a vaccine would not be approved for the American public unless it was indeed both safe and effective, Fauci told CNN's Jim Sciutto on Thursday. If that's the case, Jim, I would not hesitate for a moment to take the vaccine myself and recommend it for my family. I kind of agree. Look, I'm not one of these guys who likes to just randomly trust the government, but I really, really, really do not believe they will declare a, a vaccine safe and effective, release it, And then have millions of people like gasping and dying in the street. I've received a bunch of vaccines. I think it'll be fine. Also, I'm not a medical scientist or whatever. Again, that's why I'm going to wait. and We'll see how it plays out a little bit. But I do think that at least the general concept of how vaccines work, we get it. I mean, we're making something a little bit different, but I doubt it's going to be that dramatically different. Notably, I will add, though, many people don't know this. When I went, I went, I had to get a bunch of shots because I was going to Venezuela and Egypt and all this stuff. One of the shots they gave me, I think yellow fever has to go in your skin. It's oh man. So they push the needle in sideways. That one hurts. Yeah. And then others go into like the muscle and things like that. So, you know, whatever. They say when asked by Bash in the interview airing Sunday, if she feels more comfortable hearing those assurances from someone like Fauci, Harris said the nation's top infectious disease expert has for years put the public health of the American people as his highest priority in terms of his work and his reputation is priority. Yes, I trust Dr. Fauci. Harris continued. They're going to say more than 6.2 million people have been infected. This we get. I want you to think about this for a second. Donald Trump is just the president. He's not making the vaccine. There's there, there's no circumstance where he's in a lab and he's like mixing chemicals and like injecting things. And then he goes, take the vaccine. It was always going to go through like the FDA and these, these you know, these uh, uh, laboratories and Dr. Fauci. Why would anyone question that? Now, listen, I understand that people don't trust the government and are concerned about rushed medicines, and I respect it. Absolutely. What I'm criticizing here is not the people saying, well, hold on. I'm criticizing the people on the left who complain all day anti-vaxxers. And then as soon as Trump goes, I'm for vaccines, they go, I don't trust it. I will. I'm going to (laughs) wait. Oh, are you? Well, I'll tell you what. When they implement mandatory vaccinations and they're going to say, if you want to come into this government building, you have to get a COVID vaccine. No, you're not going to wait. You're either going to get it or you're going to quit. OK, and then if Trump comes out and says, trust me, it's safe. And you're like, I don't trust that. Well, then you're the anti-vaxxer. Right now, there's a story about how they're mandating flu vaccines for schools. And my response is in homeschool your kids. I can't believe it. Why would anyone? Comp- Why would anyone do this? Look, I don't care about the flu vaccine. We do it all the time. Get your flu shot, go to school, whatever if you don't like it, homeschool your kids. I know not everybody can, but you shouldn't be putting your kids in these places anyway. I hate school. I think school is fundamentally broken. Kids are being indoctrinated. I think we need to start raising our own kids. Now, I know it's easy for me to say I don't have any kids, so I'll take that criticism fairly. Anyway, in the meantime, I don't care if someone's critic. I don't care what people believe. I don't care if they're critical of vaccines or whatever. That's fine. But just end the hypocrisy, okay, Kamala? Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. Kamala, right? Whatever. Anyway, I'll leave it there. I got a couple. I got one more segment in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Anti-Defamation League's heat map. This is a map charting all of the extremist incidents we have seen for a long period of time, I suppose. I mean, check it out. You got years. I've chosen this year, 2020 to 2020. Now you have several different things you can choose. You can choose state or city, incident type and ideology. And of course, on the map, we see many things. Wow, look at all these little bubbles. Many of these things appear to be propaganda inc- uh, incidents, but there's also murder. Well, I decided considering, you know, we've seen months of ongoing far left extremist violence in this country. I will check with the ADL to give me a good list of of all of the things to consider when it comes to far left uh, violence that's occurred over the past several months, of course, you all know what I'm talking about. Even a police officer got shot in the head. That was kind of crazy. Thirty five people are dead. You've got months of extremists attacking this building, screaming Black Lives Matter, all obviously left wing. So I, I, I thought maybe the idea I'll put a chart together, right? So let's do this. Let's just start with the with the most obvious. Let's go to Oregon. I'll type in Oregon and we'll see what's going on in Oregon. Oh, there you go. We have a bunch of little bubbles. Oh, and there's a lot in Portland. Whoa. See, obviously ADL's tracking the far left far left violence that's going on in Portland over the past several months. Okay, well let's take a look at this. Forty-four instances. Wow. Okay, so we've got um right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing. Wait, what is this? Right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing, right, 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 right. Wait, 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 hold on a minute. It's all right wing? It's all what? Every single instance this year that the ADL has tracked for Oregon is white supremacy right wing. Well, that can't be right. We've all been watching the far left besiege a federal courthouse with explosives. Certainly, they must just not have updated the system. Oh, wait, 728, 2020, 725, 2020, 724. OK, so it is up to date. They're just not putting the far left extremism on the map for Portland. Well, that's strange. Well, maybe, maybe it's just Portland, you know, maybe they don't know what's going on in Oregon. So let's zoom back out national level. Okay, here we go. Here we are. All right. So, so now we have the whole of the U.S. and you can see once again, let's just do this. Let's make it simple, right? I'm going to go, They. Just, I'll give a shout out to the Anti-Defamation League for tracking all this extremism. I'm going to go to ideology. Let's see, what ideologies do we have? We have Islamist, left-wing, other, And then we have three categories of right wing, anti-government, other, and white supremacists. Anti-government is right wing? I thought Antifa was anti-government and whatever. Sure. Well, okay, let's just pick left wing. I'm sure the map is going to light up with all of the leftist violence we have seen across this country from overt acts of terror. I mean, think about it. We had that guy in Portland hunt down a Trump supporter, kill him. I mean, that wasn't on the map, so that must just be a mistake you know, because we know now from the surveillance footage, it looks like the guy was stalking the guy. Maybe they'll eventually put it up. I mean, honestly, to be fair, it looks like they're at least a month behind. But we've seen now for three months across this country. I'm going to give us a, a, a special note to the guy in I think it was Vegas who shot a cop in the head. Now that's got to make their list. So I'll just I'll just click left wing here. And oh, wait, what? Zero instances. Zero. Zero. In the United States, ladies and gentlemen, the Anti-Defamation League says there are no left-wing instances, a terror plot, not even propaganda. No left-wing propaganda? Are you kidding me? They include an incident type. They, they include literally white supremacist propaganda. Well, what about leftist propaganda? What about leftist white supremacist propaganda? What about anything? What about an extremist police shootout? I, a, 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 a cop got shot in the head, dude. He's paralyzed from the neck down. That's a, that's an extremist shootout. No, this is the system. This is how it works. They don't track what's actually going on and they lie because the far left has allies in media. They won't tell you the truth. This is the world we live in. I want to make sure to absolutely highlight this story. Shay Michelonis, the cop who was shot in the head. I was thinking to myself when I saw this, I remember that cop got shot. Did he make it? Is he okay? He's struggling to survive. The family said he's trying to communicate, but he's paralyzed from the neck down. That's his life now. They played video of what this lunatic leftist extremist did. You know what? To be fair, maybe the ADL is making a broader point here. There is no left wing extremism because the, the violence you're seeing is coming from the mainstream left. They're not extremists. They agree with it. Why haven't we had marches for this cop who got shot in the neck? Family of Vegas police officer Shea Michelonis speaks on recovery and support. I want to make sure I can use the rest of this segment to make sure everybody knows this guy's this guy's name. This story breaks my heart, man. To think that I, I it's been this long and I even forgot this guy existed. It's true. And I said, "No, man, this guy needs our support." Where's his fundraiser for two million dollars? A man who was wanted on a felony warrant for sexually assaulting a woman, fought with the police, brandished a knife, and they shot him. And he's paralyzed. And he raised $2 million. Shane Michelonis, a cop in Vegas, was doing his duty and responding to these protests when a man shot him in the head. And he's paralyzed now from the neck down. Where's his vigil? you going to go visit him, Joe Biden? And you know what? I want Donald Trump to go visit this guy, too. I want Trump to say his name. I want this guy to get a plaque, a medal, whatever. This guy, I can't I can't even imagine going out on the job, talking to your friends. being like, We got to go out. We got to deal with this. You know, it could be dangerous and not knowing it'll be the last time you ever spoke to your family. The last time you walked or even moved your arms. Yet two million dollars for a criminal A guy who was accused. I have to be fair to Jacob Blake. Accused. and According to some reports, his father is an overt anti-Semite. That is not justice. Let me read you this story. I want you to know about this guy. The family of Las Vegas police officer Shane Michelonis is staying by his bedside every day and praying for him to get better. Officer Michelonis was seriously injured after he was shot while working a Black Lives Matter protest in June. Quote, I can't really verbalize how much that support has meant to us it's kept us motivated and kept us going said former Vegas police deputy chief Patrick Neville He expressed his gratitude for the support his stepson officer Michaelonus is receiving from the community Michaelonus is continuing to recover from his injuries after being shot while working Black Lives Matter protests He was shot by a Black Lives Matter in, <clears throat> extremist and that's why he's he's paralyzed Initially when you first looked at him in June he was just laying in bed connected to a million machines and then slowly he began to recognize people. Neville says Shea has a serious spinal cord injury and is recovering at an out of state rehab center. He is encouraged to see Shea communicate with his family. So that was good seeing him come back and be able to try to communicate by blinking his eyes. And now he speaks by lip reading. But you kind of get an idea after a while. In June, did the Anti-Defamation League put this man on their database to make sure everyone knew what happened to him? No. Do they care? No, they don't care. Local media does. My respect to them. Officer Michelonis was known for his laid back, cool personality and his love for hockey. But what he enjoys the most is working with his fellow officers. I had a conversation with Shay a few weeks before the shooting and said, how long are you going to stay on the graveyard shift for? And he says, I want to stay here because of the guys I work with. He says the extent of Shea's recovery remains uncertain, but says the love and support from the community have driven him to get better. We still show him videos and pictures that we got of some of the fundraisers and events for Shea that motivates him. Okay, I did some general searching. I didn't find the fundraisers. I'm not sure if the president's visited him, but I'd like, I, you know, based on what I see with Kenosha, I just wonder about these officers who are attacked and who are injured when they come out to try and control this extremism to try and do something about it, striking that balance between free expression and violent extremists who will infiltrate and cause serious problems. I'm I'm stunned by the things I see in the press sometimes, that these violent criminals will get fundraisers in the in in the hundreds of thousands. My heart is warmed when I see stories like that that uh, that guy in Minneapolis whose dream establishment, his sports bar, was burned to the ground. And we helped raise a million dollars for him. I personally contributed several thousand dollars. I guess that was supposed to be a secret, but uh, but it meant a lot. I couldn't stand seeing this man, a firefighter, have his life destroyed. And more than that is a man who w- will likely never move again. And his life's completely destroyed. And he didn't do anything to anybody. And that makes me furious that the conversations we have are whether or not the criminal who was who was fighting with the police deserves two million dollars. The alleged criminal. Well, I think it's fair to say the guy had a, a past history. I don't want to hear a story about a guy getting shot. I feel bad for Jacob Blake. I, I hear he's accused of very terrible things. And I saw a video where he fought with cops. I'm not happy about it. I think he, he, he did bad things, but I'm not happy. He got seriously injured and he's paralyzed now. What about this guy? What about Shea Michelonis? He doesn't even make it on the map. What about that? Far-left extremist takes away the life of this man, who will now be bedridden. I hope not, but that seems to be the case. I hope this man can recover, and I hope they can help him out. And I want to see more support for this guy. At the very least, I want everyone to make sure they remember his name, because he didn't do anything to anybody. He just was out working, and someone decided to to, to shoot him. How gross! I wish the A.D.L. would do a, would do their real job. They probably won't, but you know what? Look. A lot of people, I think you watch segments like this. You probably assume that I'm uh, uh, more frustrated. Watch the IRL podcast. We have a laugh, okay? So while I do these segments and I get really angry a lot of of times, the IRL podcast, which is the other two hours of content I put out every day, is typically just funny and laughing and we have guests and it's a good time. So just, (laughs) I I hope it's not too much of a downer when you hear these stories. But what I really just want to end with, I'm glad to see this guy's recovering, okay? I want everyone to know his name, offer him up support, and, and and do good. And I think we can. That's the goal here. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.